Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for December 10th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, It's a Soup and Cornbread Kind of Day. On Friday, while I was studying for this sermon, I sat in the coffee shop with my earbuds in, listening to the Pandora station of indie folk band Bon Iver, wearing my blue jeans that I had bought that have an intentional rip in the knee, paid good money for them, while sipping on my Earl Grey tea with honey and eating blueberry almond oatmeal. I felt oh so millennial. (laughs) It was cold and gray and gloomy and rainy with a slight mixture of sleet outside. And as I turned my attention from Facebook to my study, which is not a millennial thing to do, it's very much a middle-aged mother thing to do, I saw one post that simply read, it's a soup and cornbread kind of day. It was Tam the cook at the Child Development Center on her day off. Before turning to study, I whipped off a quick comment. On your day off, don't cook, get takeout. I recommend Whole Foods for soup and cornbread, another millennial thing to do. She replied, that's a great idea. You know, after cooking breakfast and lunch and two snacks a day for 100 children plus teachers and staff every single day, Whole Foods should prepare her comfort foods for her, don't you think? But I did enjoy all the comments on her post about comfort food on a cold and wintry day. How about tomato soup and grilled cheese? Another said, it's a toss-up between vegetable soup and clam chowder. Another said, I've got a crock pot of chili on right now. And someone mentioned neck bones for seasoning. (laughs) Food, it's what social media is all about. Maya Angelou said, the best comfort food will always be greens, cornbread, and fried chicken. I agree. And now that we're all hungry, on this second Sunday of Advent, the liturgical word is peace. And in our sermon series on simple gifts, our word is food. And in reading Isaiah's prophecy, which includes those famous lines, comfort, comfort ye my people, thus says the Lord, all I could think of was comfort food and how important that is to our life of faith. Comfort food. When people die, all we know to do for sure is take food. A ham, some macaroni and cheese, green beans, and for me, no grieving is complete without a pound cake. Years ago, a grandfather died of a young person that I was close to. All I knew to do do was to take a pound cake and go and sit with the family. I walked into their kitchen with my offering. The cake was still warm. 
I put it on the counter, and without one word, the young teen grabbed a fork, lifted the lid, and just started eating. She didn't even cut it in a slice. She just dug right in with her fork and ate her way and cried her way through her grief. I grabbed a fork and I joined her. When our neighbor thought that our dog had killed their guinea pig, all I needed to do was to take them a warm pound cake. I mean, what else do you do in moments like that? Comfort food. When college students come home for the holidays, let the cooking and baking begin. It's how I show love. They text me their requests days before their arrival, and I crank up the stove. And watching them heap their plates full and go back for seconds and request night after night of homemade cookie fantastics, well, it's a mother's dream come true. Comfort food, poppy seed chicken, need I say more? When our youngest graduated last spring from high school, we downsized our home. I'm pretty sure that every single square foot that we lost was in the kitchen. The silver lining though, at least everyone won't gather in my kitchen while I'm doing the last minute prep for dinner parties. Wrong. We had our staff over for our Christmas dinner last week. Every single one of us standing shoulder to shoulder in our teeny tiny kitchen. I think it's about the comfort of being in a kitchen, a hub of life and the source of sustenance, the center of nutrition and the focal point of living. I fully expect if we have 100 people next Sunday at our annual Christmas drop-in, you're all invited. I fully expect at least 25 to 30 of you to be in the kitchen at all times. The kitchen holds about three. <laughs> I do want to offer this disclaimer as I ramble on about peace and food and comfort. It can be difficult to talk about food with such warmth when people are starving, though we all know there is more than enough food to feed us all, we just don't know how to share. And when we waste so much and throw away more than enough that would eliminate hunger. And when I think of the number of people that struggle with food issues that are linked to so many body issues, it's dangerous to claim food in the ways that I'm talking about it today. With eating disorders and so much unhealthy in the ways we eat and don't eat, from our excess to the way that we do not eat enough. But allow me today, won't you, to try and connect a healthy understanding of food as a source of Advent peace. We've spent the whole fall leading up to Advent with Moses and the children of Israel as they wandered and searched for that promised land, which was, you guessed it, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
I imagine that what kept them focused was picturing rivers flowing with milk and trees dripping with honey. It would be a place that they could call home, a place where they would be safe, a place that they could claim as their own, a place to raise a family and worship the God who had delivered them from bondage and brought them all of this goodness. And the best way God knew to entice them was with the images of goodness of food, milk and honey. Scattered throughout the biblical story in both the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian New Testament, food plays an important role in our faith journey. The Bible points to so many food examples. It all started in the Garden of Eden and a fruit tree. Then we have a wedding banquet where water is turned to wine. The kingdom of God is compared to a great banquet feast. There are all kind of rules about food and laws concerning food in order to stay clean and pure. And then there's wayward children who are welcomed home and a fatted calf is prepared in celebration. And there's the withered fig tree that's given another chance to produce fruit. And even today, the writer of Mark's gospel gives us the details about John the baptizer, the one who was the messenger preparing the way for the Messiah. And those details even included what the man ate. Perhaps not a normal diet, locusts and honey, but it was not about a normal man nor a normal situation. Mark's gospel does not have a birth narrative. In Mark's telling, we meet Jesus as a full-grown man. He's a devoted follower of this prophetic, albeit unorthodox, proclaimer of good news, John the Baptist. In Mark's story, there's no manger, no swaddling clothes, there are no shepherds, there's no star to follow. We begin with one who prepares the way for Jesus, making a straight path in a crooked world. That is our calling, to make a straight path in a crooked world. So we begin with a baptism in Mark's gospel and a voice from heaven saying, you are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. And the one with the steady diet of the simple comfort food of locusts and honey set the stage for the ministry and mission of Jesus the Christ. And from the prophet Isaiah, this preparing a way includes straightening paths and lifting valleys and lowering mountains and evening up the playing field and smoothing out the rough places. That is our calling, to even up the playing fields and to smooth out rough places. And this passage includes that the flock of God's people will be fed by God whose tender loving care includes nourishment of body and soul. The simple gift of food makes all the difference, maybe especially in this season. This past week I cooked a banquet feast for a hundred people. If you knew how much butter was in my cooking, you would contact your cardiologist immediately. Someone asked if I had made the gravy or bought it. Bought gravy? Ugh. 
No offense if you buy your gravy, do what you have to do, but I prefer to make mine on my own. It's just two ingredients. The drippings from the meat cooked and butter. Lots of butter. If you liked it, it was because of the butter. Then I gathered with church folks again yesterday to provide about 150 meals for homeless men. Mashed potatoes were involved. 15 gallons of them, as a matter of fact. And while no real potatoes were harmed in the making of these mashed pearls and flakes, I can assure you that butter was involved. And one of the joys of my last week in preparing 250 plus meals was getting to spend so much time in the kitchen with Johnny Doyle. He makes time in the kitchen fun. I learn something every time. He helps me with math. We take our love of cooking and make it a gift for our beloved community. And then we turned our gifts outward to feed those in need. We were thanked profusely by church members and homeless men alike. At a candlelight Wednesday night banquet and on a cold and drizzly snowy afternoon, we fed from our hearts in a simple attempt to bring peace. It really is that simple and butter. Please don't use margarine. Please don't use unsalted butter. Butter. It really is that simple. Each week of Advent, an insert is included. Last week's was about light, and I've tried to pay attention to light all week long. Hope and light, they go together. Today, on this Advent Sunday of Peace, I will begin today turning my attention to food. It's all so simple. The food that we eat, the food that we buy, the food that we give away, the food that we prepare. Join us Friday night to eat together hamburgers and hot dogs and baked beans and coleslaw and then we'll turn our attention to packing backpack snacks and preparing food for family promise and for room in the inn and for our friends at home. Maybe for this week we go with less fast food and learn to savor the community that can be built when we sit at tables to eat of God's bounty. Maybe we, maybe we become more generous as we find ways to creatively give food away. Maybe when we see the signs on the street corners that say, we'll work for food, maybe we just give them food to eat without even considering that someone might have to work for it when they are already down and out. Perhaps we will go out to dinner for an intimate evening of connection, or perhaps we will prepare a feast to savor in the company of new friends. Whatever we do, let us be intentional with this simple gift. Let's face it, 
We are a food-obsessed culture with diets and fads to either lose weight in order to look a certain way or to gain weight for many athletes. We are all out of sorts about food. We count calories and carbs. We read labels and are enticed by descriptors like light, L-I-T-E, and healthy and wraps and superfood. As if these words make all the difference. It's how we treat the food. It's not the descriptors. But I've tried them all. A three-day cleanse, a ten-day cleanse, Weight Watchers, Jazzercise, Curves, Eating Plans, Paleo, Beach Body On Demand, Shakeology. They're not bad. They're not good. (laughs) (laughs) What am I searching for? A body. A body. Let go of your body and eat. found a book, Women, Food, and God. Janine Roth has written this book, and at the end she makes a few simple suggestions, and these, these suggestions stem from our unhealthy issues with food. Her suggestions are given in response to the ways that we abuse our bodies either by too much food or the way that we abuse our bodies by too little food. She gives these simple suggestions. Eat when you are hungry. Eat sitting down in a calm environment. This does not include the car. Eat without distractions, including TV or reading the paper. Eat what your body wants. Eat until you are satisfied. Eat with the intention of being in full view of others. And finally, eat with enjoyment and gusto and pleasure. This season most certainly centers on food. Be intentional. Give thanks. And remember that even though the sun is shining brightly today, the cold weather calls for the warmth of a soup and cornbread kind of day. And that might be all the peace that anyone really needs. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.